Welcome everyone to the Daddy Sharps podcast. This is episode, John. Well, it, you know what it is? It's the diamond episode. Podcast number 75. Oh, by the way, my name is Luke. And I'm John. We're just a couple of dads who like to make the sharpest bets we can. Yeah, and we're just a couple of dads who break down the games and the fights this week that your square buddies are too scared to break down. And for a lot of you out there, it was either a great ending or a terrible ending to the NFL season. Super Bowl 58 ends in another Chiefs win. A lot of Sharps left a lot of money on the table. And a lot of Sharps won a lot of money, too. Yeah, I mean, turns out most Sharps bet 50-50, both sides. We we never really shared a side in our podcast. We both plopped money down on San Francisco Moneyline. San Francisco minus one, and then the Chiefs plus two as well. But we also hit the under 48. So in the end, basically, we didn't share those bets, but we made those bets as a hedge. We were looking for a big payout. We were also looking not to lose because this game was so difficult to bet. One of the worst Super Bowls ever we've ever seen. It was a tough one. We knew going in we were going to have a hard time making money on that one. But... How did we fare overall in the NFL bets this year? Uh, I'd say we did pretty damn well, sir. For the entire NFL season, Mr. Luke, you hit 54.5% success rate, 5.4% ROI. That is pro level, my man. Yeah, not bad, not bad. I was really surprised at the numbers as well. But uh, there were some great weeks and there were some really horrible weeks weeks like Thanksgiving. It was just awful. And I I think my volume of bets, I just went for it. I, I bet a lot of... Bet. Yes, you did. And I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> you also knocked it out of the park. We, we were dead even, really, on success rate. Uh, you were funny. at 54% as well. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, odd. Yeah. Well, you were over, a little over 54%. That's awesome. And you had 4% return on your investment, which is fantastic because that is money in the pocket. But you really did great at parlays. I was horrible at parlays and just I quit <laughs> parlays halfway through the season you hit 60.4% accuracy on parlays and you had a 19.5% return on that investment. That's pretty incredible. Yes. And just to be just to be fair, most of parlays, like 95% of them, they were teasers. So it was basically a great year for teasers. Oh, there you go. It was. It was a great yeah. season uh, yep. for teasers as well. All right. So let's move on to our best bets. For this week, and, and let's talk about it a little bit because we're doing something kind of crazy. Yes. Never so, done this before. Me and you put a lot of work into the betting, and we both are very good at uh, football. But we also have side sports that one of us is better at than the other. So this That's year, right. Right. we're going to be moving on and sharing UFC bets, which I really like. And you will be sharing NHL bets, which you have been incredibly hot already, leading up to the college basketball tournament where both of us will get together again and share all of our March Madness bets. Combining forces in time for March Madness. We killed it last year. We can't wait to kill it again this year. But, John, you're going to have all of our UFC bets and best bets before we get there. I'm going to rattle off my hockey best bets on games of the week that I like coming down the pike on the weekend or like tonight i'm just going to stick to games that are scheduled for the next day tomorrow valentine's day so with that 
Let's yeah. see how this thing goes. It's kind of a crazy mix, but we're yeah. both excited about it. We want you to win money. John, why don't you start us off with your UFC picks? All right. So we're starting off with a big week here. We got a pay-per-view UFC 298 taking place in Anaheim. And there are a lot of great bets on here. And one of my favorites, this guy has won me a lot of money over the years. Robert Whitaker, minus 225 versus Paulo Costa. This is in the middleweight division. Whitaker, minus 225 is my pick. I like the former champ here, Whitaker, in this one. Coming off the knockout loss to now champ Duplessis, Whitaker has only taken losses to champs Adesanya and Duplessis. They both had one thing in common, Mr. Luke. Can you guess what that is? What is that? They got grit. And they got long reaches, over 77 inches. Whitaker has trouble with reaches like that. And he loses the striking battle every time he faces a guy with a reach over 77 inches. The good news here, Costa has a 72-inch reach, much more favorable for Whitaker. You look at those numbers against 72-inch reaches, this guy dominates on the feet. Costa has been off for nearly two years, getting a decision win over 39-year-old Luke Rockhold last time out. That dude was on a losing streak. 39 years old, way past his prime. Now he's fighting in bare-knuckle boxing. So not exactly strength of schedule there. Take Whitaker, minus 225. Next, we got Quinlan versus Barlow. Barlow is the favorite at minus 200. This is taking place at 170 pounds. My bet here, I like Barlow, minus 200. Another fight, another one that comes down to the reach for me, just like the Whitaker fight. Quinlan beat one guy on the UFC, a guy that went two and four in the big show and was knocked out in all four of his losses. Quinlan was pieced up on the feet by Trey Walters on the UFC with a 77-inch reach. That's not good. Barlow here has a 79-inch reach, and he's a tricky southpaw to boot. Barlow only has one fight on the UFC so far, but he looked impressive as a striker. I expect him to make quick work of Mr. Quinlan, sir. Now, we're moving to a little a little out-of-country bout here. Zane versus Habero. And I like the underdog here. This is taking place at 205, light heavyweight. That is a big deal in this fight because, and that's why I like Habero at plus 100. The reason, this is a big deal for me. The fight is about the weight. Zane fights at heavyweight and usually comes into those heavyweight fights at 220 pounds. At 25 years old, you wouldn't think the weight cut would be an issue for him to drop an extra 15 to get to 205. But it is. You go back to this guy's young career in seven fights at light heavyweight. Zane is one and six. This weight cut is tough for the kid, and he's facing UFC talent now. He's not facing those lower level talent anymore. Another factor here, Habero, this guy's a massive light heavyweight. He has a six inch reach over Zane. Both these guys are strikers, so that reach is going to play a huge role in this fight. Make sure to watch weigh-ins here. Uh, you don't want Zane to be overweight, but they are strikers, so I don't expect them to go to grappling. So even if Zane's a little overweight, I still like Hibero in that fight. All right, next one. We got Fluffy Hernandez, minus 220 versus Koploff at middleweight. My best bet here, I like Hernandez, minus 220. This guy, this is... This is a classic striker versus a grappler matchup here. Hernandez, this dude's a takedown machine, landing 22 takedowns and attempting nine submissions in his last three fights. So basically what that tell you is, tells you, 
This guy's very active on the ground when he gets it there, and he's not just looking to control you. Koploff on a four-fight win streak with four straight knockouts. But this is going to be a different animal he's facing, a serious grappler with a ground game. Sure, Koploff stuffed 13 takedowns in his last four fights, but Hernandez has attempted 50 takedowns in his last five. All five of those wins, I see Hernandez avoiding the big shots here and getting this to the ground through pure determination. Koploff has only been submitted once in his career, so be careful on those Hernandez sub props. Just take Hernandez to win. All right. This guy, you guys have never seen this dude fight. I love him. Davishili, minus 210 versus Cejudo at Bantamweight. Obviously, everybody knows who Cejudo is. He's a two-weight champion, but I'm going with the favorite, Davishili, minus 210. Yes, Cejudo, one of the best to ever do it. He's got an Olympic gold medal, probably in his underwear drawer for wrestling, but he's also old, my friend. Old in UFC terms. Younger than the daddies, but this dude's old. 36 years old, and this is his second fight after a three-year layoff. This dude's 0-1 in the comeback after he lost to Sterling. Marab, one of my favorite guys, like I mentioned. He is a constant pressure fighter. Constant takedowns, chain wrestling. The dude never stops, and honestly, I think that's going to be one of the biggest advantages for him in this matchup. Cardio against an older fighter past his prime. Wrestling is exhausting, and Marab is constant with the takedowns. Another major factor I love here, Cejudo's last fight, like I mentioned, he lost to Algermain Sterling for the belt. Sterling took down the gold medalist in the fight. Now, the interesting thing here, Marab is actually best friends and training partners with Algermain Sterling. And if anyone can help Marab find a path to victory, it's Sterling. So I like Davishili a bunch in that fight. And I like the price, minus 210. And money has been coming in on him. He opened up at minus 190. So now it's up to minus 210. And then you got the mental game here. So Sterling, he lost to Sean O'Malley in his last title defense. And he said this weight was just too hard for him to stay. So he's moving up. So that means Marab finally gets a chance to fight for the belt. So he needs to win this fight. He needs to get this to accomplish his dream. All right, next one here. We got Jeff Neal versus Ian Gary at welterweight. Gary's the minus 225 favorite. Luke, Gary's one of your favorite guys. I know that. Excellent striker. And I think Neil, top 10 in the UFC at welterweight right now, top 10 ranked, I think he's overrated. His last two wins, Luke A, one and two in the last three. Ponzinibbio, who is two and four in his last six since his return. Neil's last fight was against Rachmanov and lost by submission. Neil came in around five pounds heavy for that fight on purpose because Rachmanov is a killer. He's a beast. So the fact that it took to the third round to finish him, actually, I think that had more to do with the weight cut. He could have been finished in that first round. A major factor here, Jeff Neal's a southpaw. Ian Gary, very selective in who he fights on his way up the rankings. I think he wanted this fight because he knows he can finish him. Gary fought two southpaws so far in the UFC, and he's knocked them both out in round one. If you want to sprinkle a little bit on Gary round one, I like it. I like Ian Gary in this fight at minus 225 that's my best bet i actually do too and i like following that guy a lot and if he's uh minus 225 that's telling you something right there he's gonna win the fight probably yes yes all right right. so now for this now for this super weird awkward maybe maybe it's not transition to hockey nhl 
let's just dive right in. We've got a game coming up on Valentine's Day. The Florida Panthers at the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Panthers favored minus 125 on the money line. On the puck line, you get a bold plus 190. Careful there. The total in this game is six at minus 110. My best bet, take the under six goals in this one. Panthers are having a great season, scoring 3.19 goals per game. On defense, they're even better, allowing two and a half goals per game with only two goals in their last two games. Top two defensemen, John, have combined for 8.2 defensive point shares and 159 block shots. That is fantastic. And on the other side, I've been watching this season. The Penguins are struggling on offense right now. Their defense has stepped, stepped up. They're only allowing 2.63 goals per game. Their defenders, pretty good on the block shots as well, but it's just not going to be enough to stop the Red Hot Panthers. Look for the Panthers on the money line, but that's not my best bet. I think they win this game. I'm looking for the Panthers to shut down the Penguins' offense entirely, while the Pens, ah, their defense should at least slow the Panthers at a home. Best bet under six goals in that one. Next up, Minnesota Wild are traveling to Glendale, Arizona, to take on the Arizona Coyotes. The Wild favored just by a little bit here on the money line, minus 120, but the puck line uh, favored by a lot, minus 300. The total in this one, six goals. Could be a close game. That's what the line says, and I think it will too. But I like the red-hot Minnesota Wild right now. They're on a streak. like mm. them on the money line. You can get that money line, uh, I believe. That's uh, 120, yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad nice. number. you got to take that in hockey. I yeah. also like the over goals uh, in this one, the over six goals. The Wild are on a three-game win streak right now, 11th in the Western Conference, but with a minus four goal differential on the road, and they're in 11, 12, and two on the road. Arizona... 15 and 10 at home with a plus five goal differential. I know, John, you love differentials. Yes, I do. Turnovers, <laughs> goals, it should matter as well. Hey, they're on a six game losing streak, the Coyotes, but uh, they're at home. They're, they're going to put up a good game, uh, but they're also suffering a couple of key injuries right now. Troy Stretcher and Travis Boyd are out for this one. As for the over six goals, both teams tend to struggle for goals at times, but. Their only head-to-head -head game this year, the scoreline was 6-0. Arizona beat the Wild on the road. But again, I like the Wild to win this one and a close one, and I like that over six goals. All right, nice. moving on to the last game on the slate for Valentine's Day. San Jose Sharks are playing at the Winnipeg Jets. That is a tough, tough road game for one of, if not the worst team in hockey. The Jets favored on the money line, minus 400. You can't bet that. You just can't bet that. I mean, you can if you're putting a lot of money on it. Volume is the key there. Yeah. Puck line, they're also favored. The total is five and a half goals. The Jets are money line favorites by a long shot. But my best bets are take the Jets minus one and a half on the puck line. You can get that right now at around minus 155. Still a good bet in my book. And the over five and a half goals. And here's why. The Sharks offense is 31st in goals per game. They've scored two goals or fewer in their last five of eight games. On defense, it's worse. They rank last in goals against per game and last in shots against per game as well. The Jets, on the other hand, they're third in the Central Division right now, poised to make a playoff run. They're thinking deep into the playoffs, and I think that's probably right. At home, the Jets are 17-2-1, and one, and the Sharks on the road, 5-19-3. and three. The Jets goalie has a 2.19 goal against average. 
Bet the goal spread minus one and a half in this one, folks, and bet that the Jets will go off on the Sharks. Take that over as well. Five and a half goals. All right. I don't know if that was so awkward, but I do know this. Unfortunately, that's going to do it for the Daddy Sharks yes. podcast this week. Remember, always gamble responsibly and within your means. And the bets we share are based on our own research. We don't always win, John. And be sure to check us out on social media. Look for the Daddy Sharps on Facebook and at Daddy Sharps on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to be back next week with all our best bets and much more. Oh, I'm looking forward to that UFC lineup this weekend. John, who is your daddy? I got two answers. You're my frozen daddy. And we are. <laughs> Stay sharp, everyone. Stay sharp, everyone.